2: It's the Civic Circus Maximus. Pick your tent. In the center tent, I direct your attention to the master at arms. There are other names, but this one is for a family show. The master at arms who will, in accord with his responsibilities, direct you to one of several topics, all of which point to a crumbling United States of America. But don't worry, there are plenty of refreshments, Dad. Excelsior! Welcome back, best and brightest Jay Severin, with you on the Blaze Radio Network. 1 888 900 3393. 1 900 3393. Yesterday, I serviced our Legion listeners in various other continents and time zones. So today, I may just speak with English to the best of my ability. 1 888 900 3393. Well, for geeks such as we, the civics circus of Maximus always has something exciting. It is getting much more so. Let me put it another way uh, when you were a kid or now one hopes you know there is a certain point in the joke or the film you know where they take their clothes off, and admittedly though. No one necessarily wishes to speak aloud of it. It's the moment in the film that people kind of look forward to. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't mean I'm not talking about that kind of film. I just mean, tell me if you saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I realize now that it's an it's ancient film that many people think of as, you know, was that before talkies or after talkies? But, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, there is this great scene in which uh, Robert Redford sits there and appears to be an intruder and asks uh the beautiful Catherine Ross to sort of undo the buttons on her uh well what was the victoria's secret of the time which we would now recognize as a it looks like for movie purposes was a beautiful you know pinois. but uh it, it in in reality back then would have been like an unbelievably Rough, unclean uh, sheet from a boarding house with a, with a hole cut in the top, but that's see that's what makes movies great. In other words, that's just, I'm ta- just talking about the titillation. Well, the titillation really starts now, and you say to me, As in what? Hey, if this isn't titillation, it has no titillation. No, it starts now because the Republican convention. It could be either of them. But let's face it, when you look at this as entertainment, that's entertainment. When you really look at this as entertainment, it starts when nut-cutting time begins. I mean, when they start throwing bodies off the bus. And every time they choose a body, don't forget, they have to throw off several bodies. A great example is right now the obsession of the news media is Donald Trump's vice presidential running mate? It is far and away the number one story. Now, it is fair to examine very quickly, just in passing, when we consider that we are, after all, irrespective of party or proclivities, we are all earthlings. In fact, we are all American earthlings. If you're not, go back. Come back when you're American, when you're an American Earthling, legally. We are all, for the most part, American Earthlings. Consider what has happened in and among American Earthlings this week. Some major, major, and frankly awful stories. I mean, stories that were you from a different planet. Let's say you were... A Plutonian American and I wouldn't question whether you jumped over the universe to get here or you snuck under the time-space continuum or whether you evaded a black hole to sneak in to the Milky Way. Let's assume you are a Plutonian American and you are observing who and what we are and you look at what our news is this week. You might be surprised that as we sit here on only the third news day of our Earthling week, that the underdog's search for an ultimately meaningless position, vice president, is the top story, the obsession of print, radio, and television, web, and all other media, compared to the others, I mean, but it is. And that choice says as much about who we are and the time in which we're living than anything else. Dallas is not the number one story. There are a rhythm to these things. Once, the, once a president of the United States has visited a place of tragedy and given a speech, it's like the magic seal has been placed over that story. Now, it leaks, the story leaks, and it's meant to. So we still get the vapors, the aromas, the tastes of that story. But it's essentially placed in Tupperware. And that final click is when the president speaks. So now we're open to, naturally, a new obsession. We must have a couple a day, the way American media operates. And so we have Trump's vice presidential selection first story is when and then why is when so important well that's important because the republican convention the show the biggest road show of the convention the only unedited mostly week-long event in our political system in our quadrennial series of events here, the presidential race. We're going to get one where each party has essentially a broadcast week or a good chunk of it each night to deliver their rap. Whatever their rap is, no matter how beat the rap is, no, no matter how lame, no matter how appealing, it doesn't matter. The big question is going to be, will it be different this time? Because everything else has been so different. Right, So what's floating around, you know, like, like in children's heads, dreams of what is it? Nutmeg and cinnamon dance in their heads. I can tell you what dances in the heads right now of network executives, all of whom probably despise Donald Trump. If they like him, it's only secretly, but th- what's dancing through their heads is that Donald Trump will do something that he has more or less promised to do. But a lot of it's been sotto voce. A lot of it's just been, you know, wink of the eye insinuation stuff. And that is that Trump will make the Republican convention Trumpian. He will make it a civic circus, Moxie event. He will make it a three ring circus that he will speak every night. Now, since there has since been word that Perhaps he won't speak every night, but Trump is Trump now and why exactly because Trump is the first candidate ever to understand, really understand how this freak monster, the American media machine works. And he appreciates, I believe, that he's got a week to do it on his own terms And his theme song, I don't, I forget what the Republican theme song is, but Trump, like everything else, is going to change it. That theme song is going to be, let me entertain you, you know, and the film strip that will represent this will be a film strip. It will be from some movie where somebody takes clothes off because Trump knows that Whatever value in the end it may have electorally, and it may, ironically, have none, but he knows he has to take every shot he can get, and this campaign opens in a few days, and it must be an extravaganza, for if it is not, then print radio, television media is going to kill him like a chorus a couple of days later and say, boring, boring, And people who don't know much about politics, don't know much about history, don't know much politiology, they don't. And what they're judging Trump on really is going to be, it's like the car show, the boat show. Is it the Coliseum this week? It's Trump this week only. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network.
3: severin on the blaze radio network
2: welcome back best and brightest jay severin blaze radio network one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three all right so why such a big deal about when well, we all know that the system requires a new injection every day of excitement and various external Events can feed that or, you know, one way or the other, massage it. And certainly the pending opening of the Republican National Convention is one of those things. So right now, everything in the virtually everything in the and by by that, I mean, the A block, you know, the thing on page one, the thing that opens the broadcast is about who will Trump pick and when and then then we turn to whom, and why. And there are worlds of difference in this. Traditionally, and almost, I'd say without interruption, uh, as this is something I have studied and for more than 20 years did for a living, I've been in the room when vice presidential candidates were vetted, discussed, and chosen. This is something I can share with you. And even going way, way back in history, going back 150 years, the calculus that people used for vice president is essentially the same. It's had different words, it's had different times, it's had different flows, but they're always looking for for all three of the following. They're realistically hoping to get at least one maybe, please God, maybe two of the following. They're looking for a boost when they pick a running mate, a boost that will be in the form of geography or ideology or demography. Meaning, of course, geography is why JFK picked Lyndon Johnson. JFK, the sleek, uh, you know, progressive of Massachusetts, picked Lyndon Baines Johnson of Texas way back when. They hated each other, hated, hated each other. And, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Donald Trump will be seen necking at dinner, that story to follow, before you're going to see you know the Kennedys and the Johnsons ever even a hundred years from now, speaking to each other, no he he picked he picked a senator from Texas. Everyone in his circle hated it, they hated Johnson, and Kennedy knew smart cat. Kennedy knew that Texas would help him. Texas would help round the edges off. In fact, it may be the best vice presidential pick in American history. Because it probably gave Kennedy all three. All right, for openers, it gave him a geographic balance. Then secondly, he was looking for an ideological balance. He was seen as an inveterate, progressive, a liberal, and so, and maybe too much so, even for Democrats of the time, in terms of the base. So what did they do? They went out and got a rough, tough cowboy from Texas. A bully, really, if you read his history, but one of the most effective legislators, fascinating creatures, American creatures of all time. They get Johnson. Okay. And they also, bonus, ding, 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 bonus, bonus. Get to play again. They get a guy that helped them demographically. Kennedy was young, handsome, he had all those things, but he was seen as inexperienced. Every advantage has a disadvantage, at least in politics. And Kennedy's seen as young and flashy, sexy, appealing. Yes, but on the other hand, a lot of people, even the women who found him like a movie star, thought that maybe he was too young, too inexperienced to be, you know, with his finger on the button, so to speak, as it's always said to be in charge of the nuclear, what was then the new nuclear arsenal. So, voila, in comes the crusty old guy who knows how government works. The calculus has been try to get help geographically, ideologically, or demographically. Now, you know, the names change, the places change, the calculus pretty much stays the same as math tends to do. Wait till common core gets its hands on math, and then when two and two is seven... We'll have new calculus. But for now, geography still holds, but not as much. Why? People with Southern accents had Southern accents, you know, back then in some of those elections. The states were different. Kentucky was a very different place than Rhode Island. Now, I'm not saying they're not different now, but you get what I mean because of television. Because of radio, because of media, because of the web. We are now almost one culture. We're almost unicultural because we all see the same news, see the same entertainment, see the same sitcoms, right? So, yes, there are regional differences. Absolutely, absolutely. But there's also a uniculturalism that prevails. They didn't used to. And. Now, geography, you know means something, but it doesn't mean a great deal. People from Florida are not, you know, offended if you get someone from California and Ohio on the ticket. It's just not the way it used to be. And the north-south thing is there, but it's not there the way. ain't there the way it used to be. Uh, as for ideology, that is certainly true. Right now, the best example of that is Bernie Sanders, bo-bo-boiny, toity-toid-toid, you guys, Bernie Sanders. So look at Bernie Sanders, and yesterday he finally gave hot primary love to Hillary, and what happened? What happened is what we predicted would happen. Guruji, holy cow chip. What happened yesterday was what we said would happen. Yes, some people will now vote for Hillary because of the Sanders endorsement, But the question mark is how many people are angry at Sanders and how many people are represented by the tweet that was printed by the New York Times this morning, which said, Bernie, you sold us out. I am angry and ashamed that you would endorse Clinton. You know, no, I will never vote for her. Words to that effect. There is that phenomenon out there there is that current in the water in the political water out there along with the sharks are there many people like that and if so are they going to vote for some weird american vegetable party candidate who's going to end up with two percent two percent could change the election by the way but are are they going to go american veg party or will they go for trump because since they really don't know anything about politics or life being under the age of 30 they may just go for the biggest maverick it may just be that Sanders was their love because he was the biggest maverick who's the biggest maverick now who's the biggest maverick on campus now it's Donald Trump and exactly because of what they don't know about him he may get their love
3: Jay 7 on the Blaze Radio Network The
2: Jay Severin Show. On the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393 and via Twitter, I haven't yet popped up on Twitter, but pop up I shall momentarily, at J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N. All right, Trump, Vice President, who, when, why? I gave a generic example to illustrate the math they go through in making the choice. Now, let me give a current example and see if this fits. It is said, I know by the great sayers, but it it is said that the choices and, and you know, by whom it is said, we'll never know, but most likely it is said by Paul Manafort, uh, whom I've known for 30 years. Uh, Paul Manafort, who is the director of the Trump campaign, who's the Washington voice and influence of all of this, I assume is where this comes from. But these network, these network correspondents are not fools and they know they can only be wrong so many times without looking foolish. So they're relying on leaks from, you know, from trusted sources. Most of the time you'll find they're fairly accurate, especially the closer you get to the story. So it is said by the great sayers that the vice presidential choice of Trump has come down to Governor Indiana Mike Pence. It is said that he would please rhinos. He would please the Republican establishment. He would please the Paul Ryans of the world. The, the moderate. The rhinos, the Republicans in name only. Uh, Indiana Governor Pence is said to be first among equals of three, it has come down to. Uh, The second, second among equals, it is said, in that troika is New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The great sayers say that there's a little worry about Bridgegate. I'm not going to get into that because it's the most boring political scandal of all time. There's no sex. There's no money. There's no drugs. There's nothing. Give me something. There's nothing to Bridgegate. They put out traffic cones. Now, look, if you live there, I'm a native New Yorker. Please don't hate me for being beautiful, as the models say. Don't hate me for being from New York, but I'm a native New Yorker. I speak about it like it's nothing because I live up north, you know, from, from traffic cones we don't know in the northern Boston suburbs. Anything that's going to hold me up trying to get out of my driveway is a horse where I live. So I understand if you live there, it's a different matter. But really, for the rest of the country, of what does Bridgegate consist Maybe, maybe he encouraged guys to put traffic cones out at inconvenience times. Time. Now, again, inconvenience could easily erupt in shootings. I mean, you, know, you don't know, if you don't know New Yorkers and you don't know driving in New York and Jersey and commuters and time and schedules, this could easily have erupted in more shootings than have occurred in the last 20 years in America out of sheer road rage. So I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm just saying it's kind of more locally meaningful. So they worry. They actually worry. Uh, Maybe they more know than I. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt that. There's first time for everything. Uh, But they worry about Bridgegate. I still can't believe it, but they worry about it. And that's said to be the negative on Christie. I'll tell you what the real negative is. Real negative on Chris Christie is that he's a fat, loudmouth. And he has a reputation as a fat, loudmouth, wise guy. And that even though it's true that he has the ability because of his positions, which happen to be so middle of the road, you don't want to be on the same road. Get off the road if if, if Chris Christie comes down the road for two reasons, because his hips will fill it from shoulder to shoulder. And the other one is he's going to drive on the center median because he's a very calculating politician. So he's done just enough to make conservatives think he's conservative and just enough to make liberal Republicans think he's a liberal Republican. And it means I don't trust him. And I don't generally, believe it or not, uh, I don't like loud, uh, uh, wise guy, loudmouths. I, I know, hard to believe. Uh, calling Dr. Freud, calling Dr. Freud. But Chris Christie is said to get on with Trump well. He has had the most time on the road with Trump, et cetera, et cetera. Third, but actually fifth among three, if you know what I mean, is the guy that I think Trump ought to pick. Newton, little Newton, Newt Gingrich. You know, it's going to matter after the first few days. People are addicted to the excitement of this election people who are, many people don't care. People though who are following this and following it for the first time are because we're, we're we we need the juice, you know, the news. What's the news? What's happened, man? You know, we 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 need the juice of this. And Gingrich gives you juice. Mike Pence gives you death. He's radio death. He's television death. He's political death. He's death. (laughs) Mike Pence would not be right. If Trump thinks he can win people who are offended by him by picking as a number two guy, someone who is everything about the party he isn't and everything about the party that hates him and all about the 16 guys whom he beat the snot of in order to get in his position, that's what you want to do. Pick one of the guys you beat, and that's what Mike Pence is, a clone of all the losers you beat. Plus, he is a rhino. He's a Republican in name only. And he, look, he's thusly he may argue otherwise, fine. He's thusly perceived, and <clears throat> Trumpists are going to look I'm not a Trumpist, but I'm voting for Trump. I mean, if he wins the nomination, I'm voting for him. And there's still a question about that, more about which in due course. If Trump wins the nomination, I'm voting for him. If Ishka Bibble wins the nomination, if Daffy Duck wins the nomination, if a paroled felon wins the Republican nomination, I'm voting for him. Because you have to know your bumper sticker. If you can't reduce what the election, any election, is about to a bumper sticker, you don't know enough. You don't know enough. And it's easy. It's all out there. It's easy to learn. It's easy to learn in a day. It's easy to learn in an hour. Reduce it to a bumper sticker. Mine has always been no Hillary. And if you know what it is, now, I'm prepared, I welcome... All criticisms, complaints, bone appropriate to the topic, inappropriate to the topic, or introducing other topics at one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 900 3393 But yes, after a lifetime in politics, which included the founding of my fifth grade civics club and newspaper. Britt, did I ever mention that on the air before? All right. First time for Britt. So I'm glad I take the opportunity to mention it now. Uh, a lifetime of politics. Yeah, I'm unashamed, proud and ready to defend <clears throat> uh, my calculus, which is bumper sticker. A lot goes into that bumper sticker. I know, you know, I, having spent 25 years have eating or not eating, depending on whether my candidates won uh, all over the country and in other countries, there was an awful lot that went into that pin that people wore on their lapel. You know what? Uh, Trump's bumper sticker, at least his public one, is make America great again. Reagan's was mourning in America. Everybody has one. Your slogan, that everything you do, hundreds of millions of dollars that you spend, the smartest minds, and they are smart, that sit around rooms and figure this stuff out for two years before it ever goes public. It's like, it's like all other advertising. Good advertising is great. I mean, every once in a while, advertising comes up with, the Marines are looking for a few good men. It's the most brilliant advertising slogan of my lifetime. The Marines are looking for a few good men. A brilliant slogan says both the essence of you and the essence of your attack on your opponent at the same time without appearing negative. The Marines are looking for a few good men. When you unpack that, you you see it's brilliance, but you see you oughtn't have to unpack it, right? It needs to just get you when you hear it. Um, Another one was a trade slogan for U.S. News World Report, which, like most magazines, no longer exists. But that notwithstanding, <clears throat> someone, someone I happen to know came up with the slogan, We spare our readers unimportant advertisers. We spare our advertisers unimportant readers. Oh, whoa, ouch, beautiful. Okay. I'm not saying no Hillary is the one you put on your lapel. But in the bubble over my brain, it's always been no Hillary. It's helped me understand everything else. I don't have to stay up at night worrying about Donald Trump, though I ought to. I don't because I know what is the worst thing that could happen for my country. What's the worst? You start with that. What's the worst that could happen? And the answer is yeah! Hillary!
3: This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs>
0: the Jay Severin Show.
2: Around the world, across the nation and up your street, including the ships at sea. I am Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Mark, welcome back. Jay, my boss and brother
4: and fellow protagonist for patriotism. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. So let me ask, let me run something by you because, I, I, you know, I'm with you on the never Hillary, but not only am I concerned about what Trump may do as a president, but I'm, I'm more concerned about the circus and, and the riotous like climate that's going to be created by the people surrounding the Democrat uh, movement and, in, 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 you know, And the BLM and whatever Soros might do, whatever. And by this, do you
2: mean you fear that a Trump victory would result in massive civil unrest from the losing side?
4: No, no, no. Just 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 in terms of the, the race itself leading up to the election. There's going to be months and months and months of the media just throwing gasoline on the notion of just trying to just create as much controversy and whatnot there's going to be so many people focused on okay it's
2: the but it's the media so what why that's like saying birds will fly and the river will flow you know and the tides will change between now and then what is it that concerns you particularly
4: well so like my question actually was what if any are are the odds that the the republicans will actually come out with somebody because i actually saw someone post something that behind closed doors None of them. Our Charlie Baker was being kicked around as a potential sort of, you know, Mitt-like harmless uh, person. I, I know there's Mark.
2: I know you, and I know there's a question in here somewhere. Well, no. Do you think it's possible that the the
4: Republicans will actually still try to do a hail mary at the end and not yes.
1: have Trump? Yes.
2: Yes. I, I I believe. And my still very substantial sources tell me that there is an active wing of the Republican Party engaged in a palace coup, if you will. There are people who are hammering within the Republican Party itself, and especially within the Rules Committee, to what they call free the delegates. They are trying to pass a rule under, you know, what appears to be very munificent grounds and saying, oughtn't we free the delegates? Why should they be bound? Why they should be bound is democracy. Why they should be bound, ba- and I say this for either party, Th- those were the rules. People went out, stood in the rain, stood in the snow, got flat tires, missed meals, hired babysitters. They went out and voted for somebody and those somebodies were thereby committed to a candidate. Don't those citizens have a right to know that the rules they were provided will now be followed. I say yes. I mean, right. I, again, no matter who it was, no matter who it was, it, 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 those, those delegates ought to be bound by whatever uh, uh, regulations already existed on the night of the primary vote or the caucus. Now, that will vary from state to state. That's fine with me. It's none of my business. The states can do what they want. Some states don't bind them. Some states bind them for two or three rounds. Uh, there are a lot of people saying, these, the palace coup people are saying, you know what? None of them is enforceable. And that's right. As I had a, I can't use his name, but as a very top guy in the Republican Party who you see on TV every day, said to me, what is Texas going to do? Send a delegation of state troopers into Ohio to arrest the delegates from Texas if they don't do right what the Texas law says the, and it's the front door you're going to have Ohio state troopers barring the way of the Texas Rangers and you're going to have what my close personal friend tone Loke calls a big old mess you'll have a big old mess there so free the delegates if that happens new ball game
3: this is jay severin on the blaze radio network
2: The media buzz continues. The Civic Circus maximus about to, wait, uh, the elephants are coming in now. But this is not the Hillary segment. Not yet. Excelsior. Welcome back, I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest we are, the Blaze Radio Network. The complaint line, it's never been used for such, but you know, it's it's still open. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 900 hundred three three nine three. I have a tweet from uh someone whose name I can't pronounce. Let me see here. Yeah, I can't pronounce it, but says, "Why doesn't someone teach Jay a lesson on he's so stupid on guns? Why doesn't someone teach him a lesson?" Well, that sounds like an interesting broadcast proposition. So I tweeted back, "Why don't you do it, wise guy? If I'm so stupid, it ought to be easy and fun. Shooting fish in a barrel. I'm here, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Now." The buzz again continues around vice presidential uh, choices, especially Trump's. He is once again, uh, though it seems dumb mistake, he's through his mastery, I believe, holding the press on a hook and getting them to just follow that bait and making himself and his choice. Trump will have succeeded before you and I know who the running mate is. Trump will have made this the number one story in America for four days. (laughs) You know, I mean, and he does it every single time. And that's why I believe it's not a mistake. Also, it's what I spent my life doing before I was doing this. Yes, I took a step up from politics in the radio. Look, by way of example on this VP choice thing, I said it makes worlds of difference because it does. When you learn if you're following the campaign you're going to be yeah or hey that's great or who's that or it does make a world of difference in the sort of enthusiasm quotient now by way of exa- and and after the next few days and the convention when generally speaking you never again hear of the running mate you never again hear of the running mate even if they win That's if they win, you never hear of them again. Okay? you could move in next door, and you'd, you'd never hear about him. By way of example, why it does make a difference. If Donald Trump should win, his rhetoric will remain blustery. But whether or not people think he's done anything, And that will determine his popularity. Donald Trump as a campaigner is entertainment. But once the election is over, Donald Trump may actually have to do some things, two or three things in particular, that he has used to get us all wound up. By way of example, should Donald Trump win, he's going to have some really key battles that he must win in order to keep his promises now these are not battles played out on fox television these are not sound bites where you're yeah, you're a bastard yeah you're a bigger bastard oh yeah you're a dirty old bastard yeah well and, you know when they go back and forth he called you a dirty old bastard what do you have to say it, it, these battles are not fought that way these are actually, these. believe it or not, these actually involve government. And one most obvious and crucial example would be... Is that a hint? Good enough hint? The Mexican wall dance. Yes, the Mexican wall. Without the money... You know, no money to build that wall doesn't happen. No legislation to create the money. No build, no happen, no political support, no pushing it through Congress. And you know that every single breathing Democrat and a bunch of Republicans from marginal seats will unite to stop everything Trump tries to do. He is going to need a master legislator. Now, he may not tonight need a master legislator that may not fill the bill. A master legislator may not excite people as a second act for the convention. He may not get as big a bump as he would otherwise get with somebody else. But... Just by way of example, it's something that we need to keep in mind. He, He does need, and again, I'm not arguing for an establishment Republican. I'm just arguing for someone who might know. I'm not talking about personal relationships. They count for zip. I'm talking about a master technician. I'm talking about a master legislator who... the, The personal relationships matter for squat in the end. I mean someone who knows how things work. A legislative tactician to get stuff through. Now, Newt Gingrich is alone in that category and talent. I'm aware the arguments against Newt Gingrich are it's Newt Gingrich. And he's old. He has gray hair. He's from the Clinton era, maybe even the Reagan era. And that could be an error. I'm aware of that. But Newt plays funny. Newt plays smart. Newt plays well. Newt plays skilled. And Newt plays a lot younger than he is. Newt plays into the gestalt, which is the Trump campaign. Newt is one of the original media mavens. Newt's a showman. Now, I know you're saying, well, what about his politics? Fundamentally conservative. I'm convinced of that. But he's hurt himself, and I think this says the most damaging thing about Trump that you can say. And I haven't mentioned it yet. I don't believe I've mentioned this. The thing that cut me to the quick, and there have been several about Trump. One was watching his speech last Friday night. I think I mentioned yesterday. I watched that with my child bride, and we looked at each other and said, you know, this is not a well man. This this is not a well man. Uh, but aside from that, aside from whatever other misgivings I may have, I, I think about... What I hear from my sources and they say Trump does not forgive Newt for criticizing him and is afraid that Newt is enough his own person, his own established political stock that Newt will never worry about about Trump. The Trump wants to pick only people who are terrified of him. And that ain't Newt. And forget what Newt thinks. It's only what Trump thinks that matters. And I find it very believable and very worrisome that Trump doesn't want anyone who would tell him when he thinks he's wrong. So maybe I'm crazy and maybe that doesn't really matter. But there is also this fact. Donald Trump, you know, maybe, just maybe, the next president of the United States, doesn't know 5%. Donald Trump doesn't know 5% of what I know about politics or campaigns. And frankly, ignorance in the arena, ignorance of the rules of the arena, in which you are going to operate constitute a great danger. I mean, they, if someone offered me $25 million to do a steel, a steel cage death match with these guys that fight in those steel cages, the 25 mil would be very tempting. My only condition would be, will I live to spend any of it? You know, will I li- will I live to spend it with my family? And, I don't, I don't have the skills nor the knowledge. I would be dead in a second. And so Trump has shown remarkable agility so far. But he's getting in now at this point to a steel cage death match. And he could get hurt.
3: The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: on the blaze radio network one 888 3393 jack from the great state of georgia welcome
0: hey thanks jay this is jock j-o-c-k and uh, i'm sorry for that that's fine uh, uh man i'll tell you this is the third time i've been lucky enough to find the line open when i called you and uh and it's great to speak with you again. And every it, it seems like I always jump off the track because while I'm listening to the show waiting, somebody, you know, <laughs> something changes. I, I really kind of. That's a
2: hazard, talk- Jock. That is a I, hazard. Uh,
0: <laughs> I got, uh, I got in- interested in your discussion on, you know, the demography of, uh, the Sanders, uh, campaign and its implications. And then you mentioned Newt and, uh, I happen to listen to Glenn several times, and he does not like Newt at all. I think it's a testament to him and his free speech. I happen to be on your side with Newt. Uh, he's, a, he's the smartest man in the room any any time he's been around. And, and I, I would it, it's going to change my vote for Trump instead of just pulling the lever for Trump, which I'm destined to do right now. To maybe even mm-hmm. voting for him if he brought him on the ticket. But I think I'm in a minority, and let me tell you why. I have a great propensity for choosing losers. Like, uh, <laughs> PJ <laughs> P.
2: Thanks P. for P. calling.
0: P. No. <laughs> PJ <laughs> P. Buchanan in, in 92, 96. You know, I, my man. The, the only guy, you know, and as it, it, a conservative, if you're really going to be conservative and not milk dough, you know. And, uh, one of these days, I have to ask you about a line I heard. Is, is Pat as witty as he appears to be off the cuff sometimes? Because or, he, or is is, some those lines? he
2: is cleverer and wittier in person because he knows he can be freer to be so. He uh, is more clever. He is an absolute wit in the Renaissance man sense. He can be funny about everything. He knows everything. He has something pithy and clever to say, serious or witty, about everything. And he is also one of the dearest human beings, one of the most, one of the kindest, most sensitive, respectful, considerate human beings you'll ever meet in your life. That laugh, when you hear and see that infectious laugh uh, right. As it used to be more open, say on the uh, McLaughlin Group, or you know when he when he feels yeah. a little bit at ease, and you got that belly laugh from him, that's who he is.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, he's 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 all, like I said, he was to me he was the only answer to for conservatism when he was up.
2: Let me ask you a question, Jock. It, yes, absolutely. What is your sense? And I'm not asking you to speak for him. But what is your sense of why it is that Glenn doesn't care for Newt?
0: Permission to speak freely. Um,
2: granted, sir. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, Glenn is a, a man of, of great faith and, and religion, and uh, as you know, he's he's been at odds with the. Yeah, look, who did the evangelicals get behind this time? He's he's he doesn't. He has no idea what's going on there. He, he's perplexed by it, let me put it that way. I, right. I myself, am a classic deist. I, I've, I've, I've looped to myself in that category, and it's so funny because I've heard you speak admiringly about Newt. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in the very same show, you uh, admitted your admiration for Newt and his wicked smite. And uh, also, you quoted Voltaire in the same show. So it was, uh, which I, I would, I feel like he could probably do that more than I, but... Uh, was the Voltaire it, quote,
2: the the, loud, the louder he spoke of his honor, the quicker we counted our spoons?
0: <laughs> it was, yes. It was great.
2: <laughs> I, I also believe he's uh, credited to him is another beautiful one, which is mm-hmm. uh, bipartisan to be sure. And that is the law is fair in that i think i'm i think i'm this is verbatim but i could be paraphrasing the law is fair in that it provides the right for both rich and poor men to sleep under bridges on rainy nights
0: that one i haven't picked up on that was good i've i've spent some time reading the 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 deists that i think i think they're they get sort of short shrift in the founding of the country um yeah, it, and and history treats them different ways. Uh, well, pain, think of it, uh, Jock.
2: You know, the men, yeah. the men who invented our country, and it's no mm-hmm. it's no less a claim than that. The men who right. invented this country, and then proceeded to write the greatest document probably ever set by hand among human beings, the Constitution of the United States of America, were an average age of, I believe, twenty eight. Yeah. when they did this. And they were, as I believe William F. Buckley said when I was a kid, these were the last men, and are necessarily the last men, who will, who did and who will ever be aware of all knowledge that was knowable when they were alive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we we raced right? beyond wisdom. Yeah, we raced beyond <laughs> right, right? Wisdom now. Think I mean, about yeah, think about that.
2: Everything knowable in in all of the arts and sciences, they all spoke six languages. They all see the geography, mathematics, it, it, theology, everything, all, all of the all of the collected wisdom and knowledge of the moment up until that point in humankind, the founding fathers had been schooled in most of them. At, re- most of them at 14 knew more than most of our PhDs today.
0: I read uh, Macomb's book on John Adams uh, several years back. Yes. and I was, I was taken yeah. back. You know, there, there you go. There's a homeschooled kid, right? You know, he's a right. home, he, he's a homeschooled farmer that I think it said he used to enjoy reading Cicero in Latin at eight. You know, <laughs> I, I mean,
2: <laughs> I, just like you, today's college students.
0: I, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm. I'm. You've got me sort of intrigued in Latin too. I keep a Dictionary around and look at that. That's it's that's, great because what
2: a, what a, it it's great it's great because it is pretty much the origin of origins that and the yes. Greek of all of our words and phrases and it also has great precision. Yes, you know when, yes. when when you when you say you look at something and and you say well ipso facto, you know that's this or prima facie it means right. this. just there's great great. Concision and precision uh, about Latin, and and uh, they sure it's lied beautiful. to me, Jock, because when I took six years of it, they kept telling me this is going to be <laughs> it for you. The world will be your oyster. And where where am I? Radio, oh, Est yeah. Radius.
0: You know? Have I blown my chance to talk a little bit about nude? And just I, I want to bring up a point well known to you, and I don't know if the un, the unneuters uh, or the non or are, are, w- right. that are out there. No, I mean. All right, Jock, the the answer
2: to your first question, have you blown your time? No, I have by talking too much, but we have not blown it because uh, as host, one of the few benefits I get, uh, other than dental, is the opportunity to uh, ask you back. So if you will be kind enough to hold on during the break, then we will have the combined wisdom of Jock and Jay today on The Other Side.
3: Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Let's see if I can stifle myself long enough to let Jacques actually exclaim what's on his mind. Jacques, welcome back.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you. And please jump in. I, I, I may need some help from time to time. The thing about uh, that I wanted to say, in case there are those that don't know or have forgotten, and I'm sure you haven't, and, and I may be all wet here, but just the, just the 96th congressional election when the Republicans took back the House. And the coattails that that brought along at that time, I I know that Bill Clinton had overplayed his hand, but without Newt Gingrich standing up with his buddies holding up the index card with the ten things and said, you know what, we're going to vote on these if you vote us in. Do you think that that would have happened?
2: No, and by the way, so sure it, it, it may have been ninety four. I'm not so sure it was ninety six. It may have been ninety four, but but I, I don't right. know. You're right,
0: yes sir. You're right. You're and, right. And in any yes.
2: case, it is my my response would be. Jacques, it's fascinating but ancient history. Right now, let's say it was 96, to give you a two-year edge in this.
0: No, you were correct. It was was, was the off year. You were right. All right.
2: Okay. So, if it it was 94, let me see. That makes it 22 years ago? Yeah. So, a voter who's 22 was how old? Oh. Uh, A voter who was a voter who was 22 was an embryo a voter right. who was 32 yes. right. or who is 32 was right. 10
0: yeah
2: yep. Uh, you know i mean a vo- a 42 year old voter was barely 20 so yes. if yes. if if this were the time of cicero uh, mm-hmm. or uh, felix the cat for that matter if people learned things in college yes. other than to detect microaggressions directed at them because someone didn't call them Miss and they are presenting as Alice that day instead of Alex. You know, if that didn't become the chief business of school, finding safe places for me, because I'm afraid, because that guy is is acting homonormative or heteronormative or something I don't understand. You know, if people knew, this wouldn't be a long time ago. But I just put to you, Jacques, that I doubt I doubt you will see, if if nude is chosen, I doubt you will see top of mind, even among people attracted to him, that they remember that, or they say, be, let me give you one of the reasons why I like him.
0: Yeah. I, I, that makes sense. I mean, just, I mean, me, just
2: politically, marketing-wise, it's gotten old pretty quick around here.
0: Oh, yeah. And the, the uh, as what does Rush call him, the uh, uninformed voter or the uh, the no nothing voter? Low, low, know,
2: low, 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 low information, information voters. voters. Yeah, that's kind now of what I,
0: I, I Yeah,
2: I would say you're right that that is something that qualifies Newt to be good yeah. at the things he'll need to do, but that's an internal thing, you know, in, exactly. in his biography.
0: I tend to go with things that excite me, Jay, because I can't follow the crowd, you know. Hey, I, mean, that, I mean Me too. That's 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 sorta of what that's sorta of, that's what it's all about to me. I, I haven't been excited about voting for I when I when I primaried the Pat and he lost they, they, they certainly they they did the GOP did, if I recall, they did give us the future poster boy of erectile dysfunction, right? Because it was his turn, and, <laughs> and, and, and and that was oh, that was a good. And then what? What was even more disappointing when he announced Jack Kemp? I was excited, and then I heard him at the convention, and I just dropped my my head. Yeah, back.
2: yeah. I could never get excited about Jack. And I must tell you about Bob Dole uh, talking yeah. about the ancients. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will take his case pro bono. See, see what I did there? Worked in a little yeah, Latin. I, I will take his case pro bono <laughs> publico anytime because Bob Dole lay near dying on a hillside, nearly frozen to death in Italy, shot by the Germans in World War II, and was rescued by a field medic who was collecting the dead and came across Bob Dole, who was barely moving. And just blinking his eyes to indicate he was alive, he had ble- mostly bled to death, had most wow. of his right arm shot off, and and one of his legs. And uh, again, I'm not doing this. Please, I'm not doing no, this no. to put you no, on the spot.
0: I, 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 no, absolutely not. And let me ju- let me just say, uh, I I recant. And all the more reason why I need you. No, to no,
2: no, no. You're right. He talking. was an awful but, candidate. He was a much better fair. boner salesman. He was a much better boner salesman than he was a candidate. The truth is truth. But right. the reason that I never rush to criticize Bob Dole is that I owe him so much.
0: Yes, I agree. Okay. Well, that's, uh, you know, it, it's sort of the same thing with uh, John McCain with me. Uh, you know, th- nobody can ever, to me, d- discount his his service and, and his sacrifice. But at the same time... sure. It seems like he wraps himself sort of like a phalanx in that. No,
2: he's, you know? he's very bad. Jock, I I appreciate the call. I've got to bounce. I really greatly appreciate it. Please call back soon. Let me respond yeah. to you on uh, on John McCain. I, I, John McCain is a great American hero. He may be our greatest living, certainly one of our greatest living war heroes. At the same time, maybe he'll get to be a boner salesman. Uh, he doesn't excite me. And, I mean, he excites me, all right, but not that way. He excites me because I want to choke him because it, 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 every six years he turns conservative. I, 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 I had, uh, I don't know what I did with it. I could kill myself. I had access to a spot. I had it. Someone sent it to me. I could probably get it again. But it's a television commercial that uh, McCain made in his last re-election campaign. And after being the gang of six, after heading the gang of six, after doing everything he could do to give us open borders, when he looked at the polls in Arizona and he saw that he would lose his Senate seat, he flip-flopped instantly and dramatically, and he made a spot with the sheriff down there, convinced a sheriff who now regrets it, to walk the fence with him. What little fence there was. They probably had to shoot it ten times and edit it because there probably was you could only walk for eight steps while there was still a contiguous piece of fence. But they walked the fence, and the sheriff talked about, you know, what what our woes were with the illegal aliens, how many crimes they were committing. And, and John McCain was nodding his head and saying, we've got to stop that. You know, we've got to build the fence. And McCain had done everything within his power for years to do the opposite. Now, and again, this gives me... You know, spilkous, because when someone is a war hero, I owe them more than I can ever repay. And I'm reluctant. I admittedly reluctant to criticize them at the same time. If they're driving my country into a ditch uh, or something that rhymes with them in the current campaign, I have to speak up. Kevin from the great state, the nation state of Texas.
5: Good afternoon. It's great to talk to you again, Kevin. Uh, you my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, you said something that gave me a little bit of a pause. That uh, when people vote in the general or the primaries, that uh, their vote doesn't count. Um, now, isn't the Democratic Party and the Republican Party considered a private club, and is not protected by the federal uh, election? by the constitution
1: that's so that's it, correct
2: but wherever you're going with this kevin permit me to interrupt only to say i don't want you to waste your brilliance on me in the wrong direction i did not say that their votes do not matter in primaries i rather took the opposite stance and that okay. is that no matter for whom they voted everybody who went out and stood in the rain missed a meal hired a babysitter took an hour off, whatever they had to do to go vote in a primary or to go caucus. I honor that. And whatever, under whatever rules they did so the rules under which they participated that night are the rules that ought to pertain now. Oh, and no, this, can... this idea that we change the rules after the primary ballot or caucus stinks.
5: Oh no, no, I, I agree completely. But if the party, whichever party or if both parties, want to get all butt hurt and decide to change the rules, do they have the ability to absolutely. do that? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Okay. The parties are a private organization, like the country club everyone knows about somewhere in the county that we ride by and admire, and would and maybe have been invited to once to a business lunch, and we'd love to join, but forget it. We're you know we're not getting in. And, uh, and, and and that's the private, the legal status of both political parties is almost precisely the same. They can change the rules, make, make ridiculous in our eyes rules for admission or for expulsion. They can go and tomorrow change the rules. They can, Kevin, they can, the rules committee can meet in emergency session five minutes before the gavel comes down to open the Republican National Convention and free all the delegates from their first ballot obligation. Bang. Just like that. No one can do anything about it because the duly appointed powers that be have done. And that's that.
5: It just reminded me of that statement from the one gentleman that said the party picks the the candidate. The people have nothing to do with it and it just kind of that just kind of hit me of I think it's going to happen.
2: It it could. The fact that they are seriously considering it, the fact that as we sit here three or four days before the opening of a major party convention, Kevin, that major news stories are still allowed to be allowed by the party. Someone's allowing this. These stories wouldn't leak if the party brought the hammer down and said, Anybody else who is the source, if we find out who's the source, these these stories are killing us. Anyone we find out is the source of these stories that we're contemplating uh, freeing the delegates, changing the rules at the 11th hour. Then you'll be out. We will kick you off the rules committee. We will kick you out of the convention. You'll be a pariah. They have the power to do that, too. But they haven't done that because somebody, some buddies in positions of power believe that it's somehow and you know what? just to leave you with this. And Kevin, thank you so much for the call. I I don't want to forget myself. I'm a partisan, but at moments like this, I don't want to forget myself. I'm a partisan, but first, I'm a strategist. Do you know who could be, do you know who could very well be the source of these leaks? Donald Trump, in order to grease up, in order to lubricate The excitement level, the melodrama before the convention.
3: Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Is the Jay Severin Show on the
5: Blaze Radio Network?
2: Well, this is the comedy segment, and uh, unintentionally so for one member of. It's not important, it's only the United States Supreme Court. Justice Ruth Bader Buzzy Ginsburg finally snapped her twig. Yesterday, she offered, I don't know by what medium, but. United States Supreme Court Justice Ruth Ginsburg uh, and communist uh, Ruth Ginsburg uh, offered grossly inappropriate political remarks about the current presidential race. Now, I really ought to stop there, at least in terms of describing her remarks, because Whether or not I can get you to believe me, and I think you do, I don't care about whom she made the remarks. Now, she happened to have made them critical of Trump. Had she been critical of Hillary Clinton, would I still do the story? You know I would. Would I be as aggravated? How long have you been with me? Since I founded my fifth grade civics club and newspaper. Brit, have I ever mentioned that before on air? Nope. No, I didn't think so. I'm glad then to take this opportunity. I, I am offended and have always been and learned at my father's and mother's dinner table that what separates us from everybody else in the world is the Constitution of the United States of America. And for a justice of the United States Supreme Court, well, what what she she made a series of remarks to somebody on the record saying she can't believe Donald Trump. She can't believe his ego. She's worried about the United States and what it will become if Trump becomes president, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it was as, you know, critical personally of uh, of a candidate in the current presidential race as could be imagined made by a sitting Supreme Court justice. Trump <laughs> Trump responded with a tweet that uh, said that she shamed us all with her inappropriate behavior and remarks, which is absolutely true, absolutely demonstrably true. That's a fact. And he also said, her mind is shot. Ha <laughs> ha! Her mind is shot. It's beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Her mind is shot. Well, the good news is this uh, constitutionally, historically, terribly shameful act. The bad news, you know, uh, that's really the bad news. The good news is she'll not have to recuse herself. The liberals will lose a vote in virtually any presidential case coming up. Too bad.
3: The Jay Severin Show.